1: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers. Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com/tap iPhone.
2: Coming up on DTNS it's apparently going to be called Windows 11. We'll let you know what else we know so far. plus Apple plans to become your primary healthcare provider and how Game pass won e 3 This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, June 16th, 2021 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
0: And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane.
3: In Salt Lake City,
2: I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Ah, we were just talking about uh, Sarah's no good, very bad contact (laughs) experience. Uh, And also my no good, very bad IRL experience with the app. If you want that wider conversation, get Good Day Internet. You can find it by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dtns Let's start with a few tech things you should know.
0: Google updated messages on Android to now use end to end encryption on all one on one RCS chats previously available in beta. The company also announced that the Android earthquake kit system, or uh, alert system rather, will come to Turkey, the Philippines, Kazakhstan, the Kyrgyz Republic, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan.
2: Research from McAfee's Advanced Threat Research Team shows that Peloton Bike Plus and Peloton Tread exercise equipment contain a vulnerable Ability that would let attackers gain remote control access to the Peloton touchscreen. That could allow things like malware that intercepts traffic, accessing of your personal data, even controlling the bike plus or tread camera and microphone remotely, uh, or recording your workout. Uh, you know, none of those are. Tor-terrible, but they're probably things you don't want. McAfee team notes an attacker would need access to the machines at some point in the supply chain and then have to insert a USB key with a boot image file containing malicious code that would grant them remote root access, and Peloton has issued a patch in the latest version of its firmware.
0: Yesterday, we talked about Razer's gallium nitrate charger for $180 and mentioned that there were similar and also cheaper products, one of which is made by Rav Power. But if you're looking to compare these products, do not go to Amazon to do so. A month after Amazon removed products from accessory makers Aoki and Mpow, RavPower products have disappeared. Amazon hasn't explained any of these removals except to say that it generally suspends sellers who violate its rules. On Sunday, the Wall Street Journal ran a story about RavPower offering gift cards in exchange for reviews, which is something that Amazon does not allow.
2: Mm-hmm. Germany's Fraunhofer Institute announced the IBM Quantum System One went online a few weeks ago, the company's first quantum computer built outside of its New York-based data centers. The system uses a 27-qubit Falcon processor, and German organizations will now be available to arrange monthly contracts to use the computer for research, education, and training.
0: Bloomberg sources say that Sony plans to use Samsung OLED displays on its next generation PlayStation VR, which will be reportedly released for the 2022 holiday season. This comes as many VR headsets have pivoted to LCDs, which provide higher resolution at a cheaper cost. All
2: right. Well, there's all we got from Sony this week. Uh, We got a little more from Microsoft from this week a little later in the show. But first, Scott, there's a new opening in New York.
3: Yeah, get your tickets ready, I guess, if you don't live there. Or if you live there, just go check it out. Google will be opening its first retail store at 76 Ninth Avenue in New York City. This is on Thursday at 10 a.m., so tomorrow. It's on the first floor of the building. Uh, This is the building Google bought from the Chelsea neighborhood for its New York headquarters, or in that neighborhood. You'll be able to buy Google hardware like Pixels, Nests, and Fitbits. Don't forget, they just bought them as well as get accessories not made by Google, like phone cases, headphones, that sort of stuff. If you're into Google-branded merchandise, they have T-shirts, hats, dog toys, uh, and the like. And the store will offer tech support for Google products and everything from help with troubleshooting to repairing a cracked screen. Uh, For more involved repairs, you can schedule drop-off and pickup, though Google wants to do as many repairs same day as possible. Uh, And Google will take advantage of your visit to show off technology like Google Translate and night Sight photos in various spaces and kiosks within the store. Uh, one of them is dedicated to Stadia. So, you know, you, if you haven't given up on that yet, you can check that out. And just like Apple, there will be instructional events in the store as well.
2: Yeah, this uh, this they've done pop-up stores before, but this is their first permanent location. And it, it reminds me, especially that stuff about the kiosks and the, you know, like go into this dark room to take night sight photos and see how amazing it is. Uh, that reminds me of the experience stores. There, There's a few of them out there. I went to a Samsung uh, location in Tokyo that was not a store. They, they would help you buy their products online, but it was simply five stories of demonstrations of Samsung stuff. Uh, so they had an Instagram room where you could take photos with this, and they made you take a Samsung phone with you through it, so you could try out a, you know, the Galaxy phone as you're walking around. Uh, there were all kinds of other things. So it looks like Google is like, well, we're actually going to sell stuff in the store. But we're also going to provide these kinds of experiences and we're going to do a little of the Apple Genius bar stuff and the and the instructional events. So it's a it's a mix of all of those ideas in one. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they never open another one. This may be just a tourist attraction of way, well, hey, when you're in New York, if you're a big fan of the Google products, come by that Google store and you can get all this cool stuff.
0: I feel like I would go, at least just out of curiosity, if I were in the New York neighborhood uh at some point in the future. But yeah, I there are plenty of people who are like, yeah, Google makes hardware products. Everyone knows that, but a lot of people don't, or at least they don't think of Google Mm -hmm. as, oh, that might be the company that I, I think of first, you know, when I'm deciding to, you know, buy a next, you know, um, flagship smartphone kind of thing. And sure. Maybe you go in there because you need some repair stuff uh, on your pixel. And while you're there, you say, oh, you know, I was wondering about this whole, you know, night sight thing, or, you know, my cousin has stadia. Maybe I'll you know while I'm waiting to pick up something, i'll 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 give this a whirl. I mean, all of that is doesn't really it's like a win-win situation for google. it's it's uh, you you, can, uh, you have potential customers learning about stuff that you want to sell them. Um and yeah, it's a, it's a there there for for Google things.
3: I think they've kind of got um it's like Microsoft's stores a little bit. they're They're companies known for mostly services and software. and so people don't automatically think, I want to go play with some hardware at a you know software company, but providing this there in such a cool location uh, may end up being just a great flagship place for people to go when they're in New York. Um, whether or not they plan on rolling this out like a regular chain, I think has got tons of questions attached to it. Not only is like kind of the retail world sort of changed a little bit, and we don't quite know where it's headed next. Uh, that's a whole issue, but. You know, they haven't said. So my guess is they're going to make this one store super rad. I would totally go in there and hang out. And I hope it goes well for them. It seems cool.
0: I also feel like because it's part of the sprawling and already existing Google campus, not that they're going to be like secret Google employees in there, you know, like writing down your every move, but it's a great (laughs) place to kind of have there where you're like, oh, and then real people off the street are in there. So you can get a little bit of a sense of, you know, what might be gaining traction or what people, you know, gravitate to in a store or have questions about. Totally.
2: Yeah. No, I was thinking, I was thinking. They would use this as a as a bed of data to decide whether they ever want to open another permanent location or not. But you're right; it's not even just that. It's also like how people use phones and what what catches their eye. They're gonna they're gonna get all kinds of data out of that. You're that's so true, so true. Uh, speaking of a company trying to use your data to make a new product, Apple has been pushing into health technology, as have Amazon and Google. Uh, last week at WWDC, you may remember Apple announced the ability coming in iOS 15 to send data from your health app to your doctor's medical record systems Uh, and in fact Tuesday Mayo Clinic announced it will now support Apple's health records feature uh, which is the existing thing where you can connect your health app to the records it doesn't involve the sending until you get iOS 15 yet That's all expanding, and Apple's getting a lot of credit for for kind of plowing ahead in the technology space for health. But apparently Apple has loftier ambitions than just hooking your records up with your doctor. The Wall Street Journal has sources and documents that say starting in 2016, Apple began developing a way to offer primary care. The plan was to develop a subscription-based personalized health program using data from devices like your Apple Watch combined with virtual and in-person primary care visits. This is there's big business. There's there's a lot of companies doing this kind of thing like Carbon Health, but none of them make the devices, Uh, and Apple does. Apple created the service for its employees as a test with the idea of eventually franchising it out to health systems. So Apple didn't want to run it, but they wanted to create the platform that they could then give to actual health systems to use. So Apple took over some health clinics near its headquarters, and in 2017 hired Stanford's Dr. Symbol Desai to run the effort, which they codenamed Casper. But, it hasn't been terribly popular. It's one thing to dog food a new iPhone and use it out in the world. It's another thing to put your health in the experimental product. Uh, Uptake from employees appears to be spotty, not just for the clinics, but also of test apps. An app called Health Habit from Dr. Desai's team was launched six months ago to encourage healthy habits like exercise and diet, but half the people who downloaded it internally didn't enroll, and engagement among those who did enroll has been low. Of course, that could just mean you know, it's a test product that isn't working. And that's why you test products to find out whether they work or not. Apple, of course, uh, responded uh, quite a lot uh, to this report, sometimes specifically to things the Wall Street Journal uh, posted, but in general said that some of the assertions in the report are either incomplete, outdated, or just inaccurate information. But in their responses, they did sort of tacitly admit, yeah, we're, we're developing health technology products like this.
3: I mean, we're headed this direction, so someone's got to be fiddling around in this space. I'm sure they're not the only ones, but the more um, the the more we are all tethered up to something, the the more our healthcare and our shopping habits and our anything else will be tied to this stuff, uh, to your phone, to your device, to your records, and having those records with you all the time, and you know, being able to get to those records quickly, either whether it's your doctor or you or an employer or whatever. Um, I think it's going to become some tiptoeing toward that, obviously, because like they say, the uptick hasn't been great here, although Apple maybe asserts that this isn't complete information. All of that aside, uh, I'm on board, man. I'm all for this idea of I walk into an office and they go, oh, here's your stuff. Okay, cool. Looks like you're all good here. Uh, Let's do a quick blood test. All right. That's been added to your stuff. I don't got to wait for a phone call. I don't have to try to call in and get voicemail like that whole process could be so much easier and therefore ultimately I think cheaper for everybody. Although the health care system doesn't seem to care about that so much sometimes, but I would love to just see that process be more efficient. I'm all in.
0: Yeah. I definitely saw some hot takes around the internet of like, well, you know, employees at Apple don't seem to be very excited about this and That may be true on some level, depends on the employee, but it's more of, if I was an employee and there was, you know, this product where it's like, hey, we're building this thing. Uh, We're going to test it internally. Mm -hmm. Please, you know, give us your information. It's not... Well, you might be like, "No, I'm totally not down with that," right? Uh, this also wasn't mandatory, mm-hmm. but you also might be like, "Well, I mean, it's a test, so they might be scrutinizing the data a little bit more than normal and I already have healthcare and that's kind of working for me. I like my doctor. I don't I don't really want to participate. This sounds messy." I mean, it it's it's sort of a lot to ask to be a Guinea pig at a company like Apple that I'm going to presume has pretty good healthcare benefits already, you know, for, for regular employees, um, to, uh, to, to be giving a lot of data because yes, the company is, is working on, on, you know, backend software that works with the devices that the company makes also. And so yeah. So it's, it's a lot of control to have.
2: Yeah. It's one thing to be able to swap your SIM card into the test iPhone, uh, and try it out and then swap it back. It's another thing to switch your doctor, right? Like I could see if you've got, like you said, I think that's a really good point. If you've got really good healthcare from Apple, you might be like, you know, I'm just going to keep going to the doctor. I know I'm not going to try out, uh, this clinic whereas, and some of them will, and some of them did. It's not as easy of an, of an ask. I think, uh, uh, but but Scott, you're right. This is coming, and you can all of you outside of the United States, you can go ahead making your you know making fun of our healthcare system here if you want. Uh, but I think it's not just the United States that could improve medical records sharing uh, and access, and making it really easy and simple to see all of your medical records, all of your test results, all of your your past appointments and medical history and everything in one place. I mean that 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 is not done as well anywhere as it could be. Uh, and so I am not against technology companies coming in and and trying to create a safe and secure emphasis Mm -hmm. on safe and secure way for your doctor to be able to see all the medical information that you want them to see in order to help you improve your health. I think that's good. It's good stuff. And we're collecting more data than ever before now.
0: Yeah, I have something that's almost, I mean, it's, it's sort of on the cusp. Um, I have Kaiser Permanente, it's a Mm -hmm. big healthcare plan provider and For the first time, you know, as an adult, I can log in and there's so much more information in, in my, uh, you know, in the general, I don't know what, whatever you call it, the portal, you know, when you log in, that's all arranged. I mean, it could be arranged a little bit better, right? You know, there could be a, you know, sort of a better app going on, but, but yeah, this is a great direction for us to go in, but uh, yes, uh, ways to go yet. Uh, Well, speaking of whether or not it has a ways to go or perhaps you like it as it is, The Verge's Tom Warren reports that the entire Windows 11 interface has leaked online after first appearing on Baidu. And this is ahead of Microsoft's announcement on June 24th. Warren got a hold of a working version of Windows with the new interface, which calls itself Windows 11. Yep. It uses rounded corners. It has centered icons in the taskbar and a redesigned start menu. Looks a lot like what had been planned for Windows 10 X. You might remember that was originally meant for dual screens, later for Chromebook-like devices, and then just kind of got retired overall. The new start menu is simplified from Windows 10. It has pinned apps, recent files, and shutdown and restart options. If you don't like the idea of a centered start menu, you can move it back to the left so you have some customization there. There's also a taskbar icon for widgets. Widgets appear to be coming back. You'll be able to have things like weather, calendar, or news slide out from the side for quick access, you know, stuff that you need uh, in general throughout the day. Snap controls are available from the maximize button to let you quickly put Windows side by side. You can arrange them in sections as well and if a new app store design is coming it wasn't leaked in the version that warren got although there is a new startup sound so it might it might yet be updated before june 24th (laughs) that's the startup sound by the way uh do you like it do you not
3: yeah do that again let me hear that again tom let's hear that oh i don't know it's fine. You know what? Whatever. It's
0: fine. It's you know, what? the reason I don't like it is because it sounds like a notification because nothing's turning <laughs> <laughs> up when I hear
2: it, it. does. Yeah. I'm like,
0: stop bothering me. <laughs> I guess
2: it, it won't repeat like I just did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously. Exactly. And you'll know, like, oh, I'm starting my computer. You'll associate so, yeah. it
0: with, yes, I'm beginning the thing that I want to do right now. Right. I don't know. I got to say, I am. I don't want to say I'm underwhelmed with how it looks because I find nothing wrong, although I don't like the centered start menu. I don't like center aligned anything. But again, you can, you can, you can switch it back if uh, yeah, you want. It's
2: so Microsoft to be like, uh, we made what we're pretty sure is going to be a highly unpopular choice, so we gave you the option to set it back yourself later.
0: <laughs> yeah, so underwhelmed maybe isn't the right word, but I, I thought it was going to be a more dramatic update. And and it still could be. I mean, sure. the twenty fourth we could see something totally different. But it doesn't the the science, the signs aren't pointing to anything that's dramatically different than Windows ten x.
2: What I'm seeing here is that they took Windows Ten X, which never released, right? we, we It only looks familiar because yeah. we've seen all the leaks. Uh, and they said, you know what, it doesn't make sense to have a separate product. That causes problems. At least Microsoft finally learned, like that causes problems. Let's just take what we learned there, put it in Windows 11. And then under the hood, we can adapt the OS to whether it's on like an ARM processor or something else, but just make Windows look like itself. Now, I expected them to do that and just call it Windows 10 because they said, Windows 10, the last Windows you'll ever need. We're never never doing another one. So I'm very curious what the story is to explain why this one is Windows 11. There's a little like 8% chance in my brain that Windows 11 and Windows 10 will continue side by side for a while, that Windows 11 won't be exactly like Windows 10. I think it's more likely that it's just, hey, if if you're on the update cycle, your next update will be called Windows 11 because this one goes to 11 or or some other Spinal Tap joke like that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm.
2: Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of
3: questions I have about this this version of Windows. Most of it's UI-based, uh, but for the most part, I'm excited to see the change. You know, I was talking earlier in the show or in prep about how I'm nervous, always nervous about, about updates, particularly Windows ones. And I think Microsoft would earn themselves some huge cred if this just goes smoothly. So I, for one, am really hoping for just a smooth, nicely done, uh, you know, uh, roll out of this thing so that we all can just pleasantly move on to the next version of windows
2: well if you want something smooth and nicely done all next week will be accessibility week on daily tech news show each day we're going to feature a guest to talk about accessibility and technology uh, across all different kinds of topics from testing products to developing uis it all starts monday june 21st so make sure to be here The headlines about Microsoft coming out of the E3 gaming conference are all about Xbox Game Pass. If you're unfamiliar, here's the rundown on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, This isn't new, but this is how it works. Subscribers get access to 100 or more games that they can download and play. Microsoft promises that games from Xbox Game Studios come out on Game Game Pass the same day they release And at E3, the following games were announced as coming to Game Pass day of release. And this is what was grabbing a lot of the headlines. Psychonauts 2, Back for Blood, Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, Starfield, which, you know, it'll be 2022. But when it comes, it'll come to Game Pass same day it's released. And Stalker 2, Hades and Among Us are also coming to Game Pass. Not day of release, of course, but they are coming. It costs you $10 a month to access Game Pass on your Xbox. That's $120 a year. That's less than two top-quality games. A separate plan costs $10 a month if you want to access it on your Windows PC. Instead, that plan also includes EA Play, which gives you the whole EA library of PC games. However, that plan doesn't work on your Xbox. If you want it on both your Xbox and on your Windows PC, you got to pay $15 a month. That's still cheaper than two or three games. That also includes Xbox Live Gold for multiplayer and Xbox Cloud Gaming, which lets you play games that stream to your Android phone or tablet, but you can still use your Xbox controller. And that will eventually include more than just Android. Xbox Cloud Gaming is invite-only beta right now for your Windows browser and your iOS browser as a browser-based web app. Microsoft also plans to bring cloud gaming to smart TVs and streaming sticks, as well as the Xbox One. Uh, You'll be able to play new titles that wouldn't run on the Xbox One through cloud gaming on Xbox One. Sony sat out E3, as I mentioned earlier, so it's unfair to compare, but Microsoft certainly dominated the headlines, and the path towards subscription cloud-based gaming, Scott, seems clear.
3: Yeah, no question about that in my mind in terms of the future. Um, it's all just a matter of who's going to get on board first and who will have the dominant hand and all that. And you kind of got, you know, you touched on that a little bit in your, in your info here. But um, it was clear to me last week covering all the E3 stuff. We did live coverage of everything um by far and away the one event that looked like it really had a handle on things was the Microsoft event and that is not always true of Microsoft in the past and the last couple of years have felt like sort of rebuilding years or years that they're building up to what they're finally starting to talk about now or show or actually deliver on now which is the massive value proposition that is game pass and it's very hard to deny That value proposition. They are basically saying for a very low fee a month, as low as 10 bucks if you're just console only or PC only, or if you want both an extra five and you're and you got everything ultimate, you have cross saves, you have cross-play, you have games uh that will play on the cloud as well in these traditional ways, and you have their version of the hardware to say, look, we've got the X and S, they both serve different reasons or different kinds of clients, but here they are, we have great consoles. Oh, you don't want to play there? You'd rather play on your PC? Fine, we got you covered there. And we're doing day and date on those as well. And oh, you're somebody who just wants to play our games but play it on Steam. Well, we're selling it there too. It's also on the Epic Store. It's also on itch.io. And guess what? You can get it on gog.com. Like, they seem to be saying, I think very clearly, their interest is the games as a service and being able to play it anywhere to the point that they're saying, even if, I mean, this is all behind the scenes stuff, but they've said in some interviews, look, if Nintendo or even Sony or others were willing to let us bring game pass to their platforms, we'd do it Mm -hmm. like they really want to do this. And I think because they're so out in front of it, it's going to be hard to compete with that for a while. I think Sony has some catching up to do now, even though the last generation, it was the other way around. And, uh, I don't know if Sony's got anything up their sleeve, but because they didn't present during this crucial week of exposure, Uh, You can take a couple of things away from that. One, you could just say, well, Sony's going to do what they do, and they'll have their own thing to say, and don't worry, it's coming. Um, Or you could say, they put their head down and kind of ignored this because they don't have a good answer for this yet. And I bet it's kind of a mix of the two if I were to be asked. But overall, though, the big take is not only did Microsoft do really well for this E3, they really pounded home the case the Game Pass is going to bring what they promised, And buying all these developers and acquiring Bethesda and all of that stuff is starting to yield results, actual games, actual release dates, actual expectation on the part of the player. And that's a big, big deal.
2: Microsoft pulled a Netflix. Netflix yep. uh, developed streaming at a time when everybody's like, "Who wants streaming? DVDs, man! You have solid, yeah, have solid DVDs." And then now everyone thinks of Netflix as a streamer, even though they actually still have the DVDs. Microsoft is doing that right now. They're saying like, "Yes, consoles, of course, consoles are important," but. They won't always eventually device independent gaming will be the future. And we are already there bringing you along slowly by letting you download it now instead of streaming it because streaming isn't quite there yet, but it will be. And eventually you'll, you'll be getting your games from us through a service. And we really won't care what device you play it on. We'll have a premium device. The console will go from being a loss leader to like, just being like, here's the best way to play your Xbox games, but you can play them anywhere on anything through cloud gaming. That's where I think it's going.
3: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We'll see. We'll see how things go. It's going to get interesting real quick.
2: All right, tell us about what's going on with this Quest VR headset, Scott.
3: All right, well, check this out. Uh, if you're into the Quest, this may be interesting to you. In a blog post about the V30 update, version 30 update, that is for the Quest VR headsets, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg uh, said play space will be expanded 15 meters by 15 meters. And we'll also be adding uh, multitasking to Oculus Home, which acts as sort of a virtual monitor. Uh, So there's some interesting technical advancements there. Zuckerberg also mentioned that the ability to wirelessly stream content from a PC using the AirLink system is coming soon to the original Quest. That's good news for people like me. But it's unclear if that will be part of this version or not. Um, But that is something people have been begging for. So that'll be great for streamers. Anyway, Microsoft also announced it started you testing Facebook. advertisements. Facebook. I'm what I, Oh, sorry. Yeah. What did I say? Microsoft? How did yeah, I do that?
2: Got <laughs> it on the brain. Facebook?
3: I, don't, I have no idea I did that. Uh, they also announced they will be starting testing of advertisements in Oculus Quest headsets. Now, don't hang up yet, everybody.
2: Finish the <laughs> sentence.
3: After previously announcing it in May, okay, so they have already talked about this, uh, they said that, and now they're going to do it, they're going to run ads in the Oculus mobile app. Ads will first appear in the shooter game Blastin' from Resolution, excuse me, Restitution Games. No, Resolution Games, right? I had that. And Facebook says ads will come to two other Oculus apps over the coming weeks, though they didn't say what those two apps were. So, advertising in your (laughs) Oculus Quest. Sarah, you own one of these. I own one of these. How stoked are you for having ads in your face?
0: So, so just a tiny clarification. In May, the company said, Yeah, we're gonna run some ads in the mobile app. And at the time, I was like, Oculus mobile app, how often do I open that? Not very often, don't care. Uh, do I care if ads run, you know, in my headset itself, which I use pretty much seven days a week for something or other? Yes, I do mind. I <laughs> I mind very much. I do not play Blast on, um, although it sounds like it is going to be the first of of many apps that will eventually see ads. Um, like other apps that I pay for in various other app stores, I would assume, perhaps incorrectly, but I would assume that something like Supernatural, which I pay an annual subscription for, would be exempt from something like this test. I don't know. Uh, I I I will get very upset very quickly if something like that. Um is something that I can't somehow opt out of, even monetarily. But uh, yeah, it's getting a lot of attention because people are like, oh, ads so close to your face. Everyone knew this would happen eventually. This is Facebook. This is where all their money comes from. And yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. Right. I don't like it, but I can't say I'm surprised.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, I do this TV company that relies on ads would put ads in the other products that they put out. <laughs> like You know, like... Uh, same with Facebook. Facebook relies on ads. What did you think? Fa- ads in the apps is not surprising. You don't don't get those apps. I actually think the apps is maybe better than putting it in the interface where you couldn't uh, ignore them. But expect that to yeah. come at some point, too. I wouldn't be yeah. shocked. Yeah. It
3: very well may be. Whether the backlash will be as hard in the VR world as it was in some gaming circles and other stuff when mm-hmm. ads started to appear in premium products. Eh, time will tell, but I'm not <laughs> Excited Wait, for backlash
2: gaming. Yeah, it'll happen.
3: <laughs> yeah, probably, will ha- probably happening now. Just as we said those words, it's already
2: happening. Look, oh, so, look, there it is. Let's check out
0: doors. the mailbag. Oh, let's do it. On yesterday's show with our guest, Christian Cantrell, we were all wondering how well razors hazel led n 95 mask was going to sell, especially given the timing of mandatory mask requirements, easing in general, certainly in some places more than others. Mike wrote in and said, I'm only an occasional user of mass transit. Mike lives in the Bay Area and says, I'm not sure when, if ever, I'll be comfortable again riding on BART or Muni without a mask. I would certainly see the value of wearing one during flu season, especially if I was a daily commuter. I suspect public transit will eventually drop the mask requirement, but it will be fascinating to see what the percentage of voluntary mask wearers will be a year from now. There's certainly some risk that the mask market will completely disappear with the end of the pandemic, but I've seen much more foolish business bets succeed.
2: Yeah, Uh, you're right mike uh it may be more than just out at the club uh there there we will find out uh how many people decide to just keep wearing masks for whatever reason just because they feel more comfortable or they're they're like the rest of the world trying to stop themselves from infecting someone else which is very polite and i think that would be a great reason to wear a mask whether they need to spend money on a razor led-laden one or not i'm still a little skeptical on but these are very good points thanks mike
0: yeah well, you know, fashion doesn't always make sense, That's but uh, it does It does help you uh, express your individuality. If you have thoughts on mask-wearing, fashion, or anything that we talk about on the show, or anything that we may talk about on a future show that you'd like to hear about, Facebook at DailyTechNewsShow.com is where to send all of your deepest, well, I was going to say darkest thoughts. I guess you could send those, but, you know, any thought will do. We like to shout out patrons at our master and grandmaster levels, including Paul Boyer, Brad, and Kevin today. We'd also like to extend a very special thanks to Mark Gibson. Mark is one of our top lifetime supporters for DTNS, so thank you for all your years of support, Mark. We appreciate you. We also appreciate you, Scott Johnson. How you been? Oh,
3: uh, doing okay. Been uh, very, very very busy, but I'm happy to say, uh, and some of your listeners are supporters, so I may as well tell them, they helped me get Rock Runners Incorporated, the card game I designed and drew all the art for and packaged and did everything for They helped me make that happen with the Kickstarter, and as of yesterday, we had our goals for production and sent the final proof copy off to the printers to get us a final proof, and that means we're all on time. Everything's going to ship on time. It's going to be great. I'm super stoked, but as a result, I have been really busy. So the uh, best thing for me to promote today would be, hey, check out my comic. I make a comic. I try to do it every week. Lately, it's been really hard to get it out, but got one out today. It's called Fred and Can. You can find it at fredandcan.com. And I think today's joke is pretty good, but I'm biased. Uh, anyway, go check it out. That's fredandcan.com. And if you're trying to poke me in the public, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Johnson.
0: Excellent. We are live Monday through Friday on this here show. You want to know what time? I'll tell you. 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewshow.com slash live. And guess what? We're going to be live tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then.
3: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com. Island Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. with Good credit. If you own
1: or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation,
3: partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move.